Greetings, Gente Puente. In today's program, Alex Barraza tells us how he shared his Hispanic heritage with his friends and neighbors by celebrating Epiphany together. If you listened to last week's episode, then you were expecting to hear from Danielle Brown today, so I'm sorry. We switched the schedule around. Her interview about the Bishop's Pastoral Letter on Racism will be published in episode 19 on January 16th, the week before celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Si prefieres español, puedes encontrar un resumen del programa de hoy sobre los tres reyes en paticc.com diagonal s15. I'm Patty Gutierrez from Patty's Catholic Corner. Our team strives to serve ministries like yours from behind the scenes. We provide best practices and encouragement with this podcast and our Facebook group, as well as Spanish translation services from a team experienced in Catholic ministry. You can find all the resources mentioned in today's episode and a summary of the episode in English and Spanish in the show notes found at pattycc.com slash 15. If you want to be part of our online community, just look for Gente Puente on Facebook and join the group. As I said, today we're going to hear from Alex Barraza. He is a lay minister who recently moved from Arizona to California for a new position in the Diocese of Sacramento. But in this interview, he's going to share with us an experience that he had while living in the Northeast in an area where there were very few Hispanics. He used the Hispanic traditions of popular piety around Christmas time, particularly the celebration of the Epiphany, to share his culture with his friends and his neighbors. Or as more commonly known in Spanish, Dia de los Tres Reyes, or Three Kings Day. This upcoming feast in 2019 is particularly special because the traditional date of January 6th falls on Sunday, which means it's also the day we celebrate the feast of the Epiphany in the liturgy. In many areas of Latin America, Epiphany is celebrated as a major holiday. In some areas, children receive gifts and sweets on this day instead of Christmas Day, since it's the day that the Magi brought gifts to the baby Jesus. Another common tradition is to share king's bread, or in Spanish, rosca de reyes. Small dolls of the baby Jesus are hidden in the bread, so those who are celebrating are searching for the baby Jesus just like the Magi did. This tradition of hiding the baby in the bread actually stems from when Herod tried to kill all the Jewish babies shortly after Jesus' birth, when the Holy Family fled to Egypt. In Mexico, whoever finds the baby Jesus is responsible for hosting a dinner on February 2nd for the Feast of Candlemas, or Dia de la Candelaria, which is a feast of the baptism of the Lord. In some areas, this person becomes the padrino or the godparent of the baby Jesus and brings an image of the baby Jesus dressed in new clothes for the feast on February 2nd. As we'll hear from Alex, sharing these traditions with people who do not have a Hispanic background can be a beautiful way to build bridges between cultures and unite communities. They can also be a great way to pass down the Catholic faith through traditions within the Hispanic community. Now let's listen to my conversation with Alex. Alex, welcome to the Gente Puente podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much for this awesome opportunity. I'm very humbled and excited to be here with you, Pat. Great. I'm going to start us off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we come before you so grateful for the many blessings that you have given us, especially for the gift of serving in your church. We know we are not perfect, and so we thank you for your mercy and for choosing to work through our broken humanity. Lord Jesus, you pray that we would be one as you and the Father are one. 
pour out your spirit as we strive to be gente puente, uniting the body of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alex, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I know that you're very busy, and I'm excited to hear about this project. But first, can you tell us a little about yourself, the, your background, your vocation, and what your ministry is now? Yes. Um, thank you very much again for this um, wonderful invitation to be with everybody um, this morning. And yes, I was born in um, Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. I won't tell you how many years ago because I'm going to figure out my age. <laughs> and I moved to the United States when I was 14. So I'm kind of sort of like a 1.5er uh, generation. I, I came to school here. And interestingly enough, because of my um, um, the way we moved, uh, we moved from Mexico. Church became a big part of our life um, in Mexico. Although we were Catholic, we, um, we went to Mass and what have you. We were not part of the church itself. So when we came to the United States, is when we started being more active, we were engaged through retreats, uh, youth groups, mm-hmm. and that's how we became part of um, a community of friends. Although in school, um, I had friends and what have you. It was through a church to the ministry at that time, confirmation. They had a very active retreat, confirmation retreat experience, and, and that's my first experience of youth ministry and um and then it became me being a leader and um and then god blessed me abundantly uh through ministry i found my wife so for all of those that i want to find out wife, you know do faithful ministry or a husband i don't know <laughs> get involved <laughs> get involved and even god blesses you like that no no that shouldn't be our reason mm-hmm. but uh yeah so, so i am very blessed that my wife anna and i we do ministry together as well and um and we have a passion for the lord and then um, through uh, my experiences in, in church and, and getting formation and, and go deeper into uh, what the church is and who the church is and what she expects of us, then um, I became a parish minister. I moved around. I became a diocesan minister now. And now I'm blessed to be here today. Awesome. Oh, I have three children. Three children. I, I, I cannot count it up count them out. <laughs> God has blessed us with three wonderful children that are also, um, they also have a passion for the Lord and, uh, and they try their best to, to serve God. Awesome. Thank you. And what's your role now in ministry? I am a regional coordinator for youth and young adult ministry for the Diocese of Sacramento. And I am the diocesan uh, coordinator for Pastoral Juvenil. Great. And what's the project that you want to share with us today? Can you t- give us kind of an overview of it? Yes. Through popular devotion, we invited people into a deeper understanding of who we Hispanic Latino people are. We used the devotion of um, the Epiphany, celebrating the Epiphany in a very non-Hispanic community. So we could build puentes of understanding and puentes of um, a different type of French. Okay. So how did you celebrate the Epiphany or Tres Reyes? Yes. So we we did the whole thing. I mean, um, we were living in a monocultural community um, where people were um, not aware of who we Hispanics are or um, Hispanic Latino, Latino people had a different um, experience of the community. Um, they were looked as farm workers only or 
people had a misunderstanding of who we were as people. And uh, through the celebration of the Epiphany in Tres Reyes, we would invite people to pray the rosary with us. We would have the, um, the Rosca Reyes, which is the king's prayer, with a little baby Jesus. And we would invite people, uh, families and youth and other people to come to our house and we would open the doors and we would do a little uh, music and then we would um, pray, eat and celebrate. And then we would talk about who Hispanic Latino people are. And through the celebration of the, of our popular devotion of, of the Epiphany, um, the Tres Reyes, we were able to invite people into um, a different understanding of who we are as Hispanic Latino. Do you have any specific stories of how it helped to build those bridges to have this event? Yes. So people had, um, um, where we were living, people had a different understanding of um, um, of prayer even. You know, uh, sometimes people are very cold when they pray. And uh, prayer in the mainstream culture is very personal. I pray the rosary. I do this. I do that. And bringing people together into a community, raise some awareness of the power of being together. Um, the families would invite them. And then from these appearances, and personally, um, we invited people to be our um, compadres for uh, one of the baptisms. And we did Hispanic Latino style, you know, we called them compadres and then we invited them. And then we even uh, branched out to people from other denominations because we had uh, friends that were Lutheran and they were allowed to come. And, uh, and I would tell them, you know, we're going to pray the rosary and, uh, and we believe in Mary. And um, it brought a, a very different understanding of who Mary was. In the rosary, uh, talking about um, Jesus being born um, and the epiphanies of our life. So we created um, good friendships through, through prayer. And, um, and uh, the, it allowed us to become uh, people. I don't know, like it humanized us. People had an epiphany that we were, we were a people with a history. And this history allows us um, and invites us to have deeper relationships with other people so through through this um, very simple popular devotion. Yeah. Um, but these these popular devotions that we have in the, our faith journeys are life giving and community building. So that was very very cool. Yeah, thank you. So it helped people who were not of Hispanic ancestry or heritage to see the Hispanic community in a broader context as people of faith and bringing their faith traditions to enrich the community. Is that how you feel? Yes, yes. And, and also our own people, Hispanic Latino people, it brought in a, a sense of um, proudness, I guess. Mm-hmm. We are proud to be who we are because we have a history and we, we are somebody. So by, by sharing of ourselves in the popular devotion, we, we gave ourselves not only identity, but um, something like we felt proud of ourselves. We, we have um, a value. We're not just a vacation destination. You know? mm-hmm. um, everybody was to met. Everybody, they had this experience of um, Hispanic Latino culture, yet they, had, they did not have an experience of the Hispanic Latino culture. Because mm-hmm. even though they went to these places, they would not go to mass. Or they would, or they would not um, be invested with the community. So it gave, gave us a sense of, um, of worth. Mm-hmm. Did you find that the Hispanics that were coming to the area started participating more in the parish? 
um, it, well, what happened is that we we gave the parish an awareness of who the Hispanic people, because the Hispanic people were coming, they, they, they were coming the summers, right, uh, to work, but they were always looked as, um, I don't want to say indifferently, but they were looked as um, strangers, yeah, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, and by um, by us doing this very purpose, we changed the perspective of who we are as Hispanic, and at least um, by us allowing us to be like the sort of guinea pigs, I guess, um, so they can try out how to talk to Hispanic Latino people, mm-hmm. people felt more comfortable in the summers when, when people were coming and they were more hospitable. Yeah. So if there is a minister listening who works in an area where there is not a an organized Hispanic ministry, there is not a lot of Hispanic leadership, uh, but maybe they're starting to see more and more Hispanics in the area or starting to come to their parish. Can you explain, why, first of all, why is it important to celebrate these days of popular religious piety? Uh why are these traditions important? And then maybe give some advice about what would be some first steps that they could do to integrate some of these activities. Yes. So it's important that, that we um, understand that um, cultures worship different. That doesn't, that's not right or wrong. It's just that um, every culture has its own own relationship with God and is um, portrayed in a physical way. So the way the Hispanic Latino community uh, celebrates these uh, popular piety devotions is the way we find um, identity and how God comes into our lives and our daily lives. So if I if I were a non-Hispanic Latino person and uh, and I was trying to reach out to this particular group of people, I would first of all I will find out what Hispanic traditions, popular piety traditions, people are bringing with them, and have start having a conversation and start looking at, at how people celebrate. It, it's important because we as um, Hispanic Latino people are challenged in our lives, you know, and when we celebrate um, the Hispanic traditions or uh, popular traditions, it's what gives us a moment of putting away our pain and saying, I know God is with me, because it's a journey. There are several moments specifically in the, in the life of, of the church that um, we make a point to know that I am not alone. I'm walking on a journey. Mm-hmm. And we're starting with the posadas in, before Christmas. And then we, well, we have our Lady Guadalupe. We're not alone. We have the posadas and we have um, all the um, um, Christmas celebrations. And then we have um, in um, Lent, we have these very profound moments of, um, of uh, popular piety. And then we move to um, October with Our Lady's uh, celebration of Our Lady. And then we have other during the day, that during the year that are uh, popular parties. So as, um, as a non-Hispanic Latino uh, minister with a non-organized uh, Hispanic uh, ministry, it's important to, to understand that there's moments when the, when the community celebrates. How can, how can I learn those moments? And how can then I, I partner with a community, not be afraid, I mean, ministry is not for the faint of heart mm-hmm. or the shy or the mute. You know, we are people that um, that are are, are going to speak the word of God and, uh, and, and are not going to be shy about reaching out to mm-hmm. those that are different. For sure. You said something about the way that you celebrated and that you started off by inviting people into your home. Is that right? Is that what you said? Correct. Mm-hmm. So 
I think for someone who was raised in the prevailing culture, that's kind of a foreign idea that we're going to do ministry in our home. Why do you think it's important to include activities in the home with the Hispanic community? You know, now that you say it, yeah, it, yeah, it was really weird because we were telling people, come to our house, and they were like, really? Mm-hmm. You're going to open up your house to us? And it's like, yeah, come, we'll have a party. We'll wash dishes together afterwards, you know, something like that. But 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 it was very foreign to, to people to come into, into someone's home and, uh, and celebrate. And, uh, and we used to tell people about it's because our home is where, it's, it's like our sacrosanctum. You know, we're inviting you deep into our our life. I mean, this is sharing bread and, and physically sharing bread, king's bread. Mm-hmm. So it's important that um we open up Hispanic Latino um, community. The home is where everything happens. That's that's where where important things, important conversations happen. But the dynamic changes when you go into people's homes. I can say for sure in the ministry, in the years that I was uh, leading a parish ministry, I could see changes every year that we spent nine days going for Our Lady of Guadalupe Novena and then nine days for Posada in different people's homes. There was a growth in the community and in our ability to communicate with each other and um, a comfortableness that was created out of being in people's homes. And people are so excited for a father to come or for the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe to be in their home. That's very exciting for people. So I can see why choosing to do an activity in the home is a lot more powerful for community build and bridge building. Yes. And you know, and in a sense also, it makes us more um, real. Because when, when people come to my house, they see how I live mm-hmm. and they see what I have. And then I be, it, it's, um, it's a witnessing. You know, we, we live in a simple house. We have simple things. We're not trying to um, impress anybody. So it's a kind of, um, I, am, I am who I, I say I am. You know, come to my house, mm-hmm. um, be with me. And, um, and it's not only that I'm um, validating because people come to your house and it validates your life. My experience when, when going to somebody's house is like you validate their existence. You know, we, we can see each other in church, but when you come into the house, you're validating that they are really uh, people of God. So it's a beautiful experience. We will continue with my interview with Alex in a moment, but I want to share with you a little more about how my company, Patty's Catholic Corner, can be a resource for your ministry. We are a team of experienced pastoral ministers who understand what it's like to wear many hats and not have a team big enough to do all that you want to do in ministry. We want to help you focus on your ministry by letting us take care of your Spanish translations. Since we have years of experience both in Catholic ministry and Catholic translations, you'll never have to worry about whether your translation is true to its Catholic message. We know church lingo and we have a heart for reaching Hispanic Catholics. To get a quote, head over to pattycc.com today. Now let's continue with my conversation with Alex. Now, what about for someone who's listening, you call yourself 1.5 generation, but someone who maybe who grew up here or even was born here, but they have a Hispanic background. Why do you feel like it's important to continue these uh, celebrations of popular piety or the traditions from Hispanic culture, even now, several generations later? I think we are wired to celebrate. 
the, um, the Hispanic Latino people in God has put in our hearts this desire to celebrate, this desire to be in community. We are, um, um, our, we embody the people that are on a continuous pilgrimage. We journey to Jerusalem, to heaven. And, and it's important that we reflect on, on um, our ancestry, how our, our people in, in the past um, celebrated that. Maybe it's going to find a new meaning for me. Maybe this um this Epiphany celebration or posadas or um Lent, whatever a uh, popular piety uh, people choose to celebrate. Maybe it's gonna have um, a different meaning. Yes, yet if we in our hearts we celebrate God in our lives in different ways. And uh, and you hear in in, in um, secular music, we we are a people that celebrates. I mean, and we are a people that um are in community and. For a second, third generation uh, person, I mean, these these are beautiful remembrances of a way to connect with the divine in a in a in a daily way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. One of our main goals of the Gente Puente podcast is to create community and to encourage each other as ministers. Can you share with us something that you've learned about being a leader in ministry? Ministry is hard. <laughs> ministry is difficult. I mean. Um, uh, when I was a parish minister, I had a, a hundred bosses, people that felt they could come to um, my office and tell me how to do things. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a lot of bosses, yet I also had a lot of successes. People would come and tell me, oh, you're doing a great job. In Hispanic ministry, many times we're, well, even, even in ministry in general, we're underpaid, overworked, and undervalued. It's a beautiful uh, lifestyle. We are God's emissaries. We are God's voice. We are God's presence to to those people, and also we suffer for those people, for the people that we serve. So, if I were to say a word to somebody that is in ministry, don't give up. If God put in your heart a desire to serve His people, God will bless you with the graces and, and the moments of um, joy that are going to sustain you. Be open to those moments. Sometimes we don't celebrate enough um, the moments where God is bringing people to our life, saying, "Hey, you did a great job." And we need to embrace those moments. So don't give up and, and, and be um, also looking at the, uh, at the challenges. The challenges are always going to be there. It's the joy and it's the grace-filled moments that um, sustain our faith. It's hard to be in ministry. And ministry is not for the faint of heart. And so we say yes to the Lord, knowing that it's a difficult life. So I, I, I pray for, I always pray for those that are doing ministry with me or around me and, and um, uh, because we hold each other in prayer. Mm-hmm. What have you learned or what could you share with other people who are leading other ministers? Like in your diocesan role that you have been working with people in parish ministry, what would you say that you've learned about leading them or encouraging them? I have learned that um, we need to be patient with each other. Patience is the key to success. And patience is what um, makes ministry happen. Because um, ministry is slow. Ministry happens in a timeline that is not our own. And uh, just because I want or desire something for a minister to do, I mean, it's God's time and not my time. And that is also on behalf of the minister. When, when ministry is not my time, but it's God's time. And I have learned that God does his will 
in a very different way that I have envisioned. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have ideas and I have plans and I want to see things happen a certain way. And then you know what? God says, no, it's not going to happen like that. This is my will and this is what I want. So it's, um, it, it's cool. It's, it's surprising. I mean, I, I remember giving instructions in a retreat. We were going to do a, a retreat and I gave instructions to them, to the committee. Okay, and this is what we're going to do. And I, and I actually had a visual idea and I tried to put it into words and we all planned it. And then what came out was so different. What people heard and what people saw as a need was so different. And it was better than what I had. I mean, I had envisioned, yeah. It was, it was really, really cool. So I love that. I love when, when, when God surprises us. So patience and knowing that, that God is, in, is God's will. Um, um, it's not Alex's will or Alex's church. It's um, the church of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are part of it. Yeah. Do you have any concrete practices or concrete ways that you could share the about how you keep that front and center or how you look to God for his will and his timing above what you your plans are? I do the see cha cha. I even though as ministers we always start with the act. We wanna do this. We need to wait and see what's gonna what's gonna happen. What what God is gonna will. We always have it backwards in, in the in ministry. We always start with the with the act. Oh, we're gonna do a retreat. And then we say, okay, what should we do in the retreat? And we need to be very open-minded because even though we have the act, doing the action, um, we need to wait and see what God is willing so we can judge it later and say, this, this is God's, um, this is what God is trying to do and then incorporate myself. So I always try to remember that I need to judge um, uh, and see where God is taking the, the project. So just because I want to have I mean, I do youth ministry, write a beautiful night on some issue because um, in my um, opinion of what I have learned, this is what we need and this is the action. I still need to see how God is going to do it and then and then judge where God is taking this, where God is taking this topic, where God is taking this ministry, where, where God's will is moving. Because if, if, we don't, if we don't stop and if I don't stop and judge, then I, um, and that has happened in my life. I move so far away from where people are. Mm. So we, I, I need to pull back and, and and judge, and see what God is where God is leading. So I can lead, can I can keep moving in that direction. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Alex. Well, we're going to close up the interview, but before we do, could you close with some encouraging words for ministers who are listening, and then close us out with a prayer for all those who serve the church? Yes. Like I said, ministry is hard, and, um, and you're not alone. As a minister, we need to find like-minded people that support our calling. I want to invite our ministers that are listening to find somebody that supports our calling. They can, they can be even people that are not in church ministry, but we have to find somebody that is keeping us in check and keeping us realistic. And it's also supporting in the activities of it. And I want to pray... Um, for um, my brothers and sisters that are out there in the field every day serving the Lord. And we say, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the opportunity to serve you. We give you thanks because you are the source of our ministry and you are the place that we want to minister to. Give us wisdom, give us an open heart and a loving heart 
so we can understand what is it that you want to do with our people. I want to pray especially for those that are suffering, that feel lonely, that feel abandoned, Lord. Give them your grace so they can know that you are a loving God. And we pray to Mary, our mother, so she can cover us with her mantle and lead us always to Christ, our Lord, her son. Mother Mary, keep us always faithful to the love of God and be our model in the ministry that we do. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alex. And I wish you all the best in your new position in the Diocese of Sacramento. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. This has this been great. I, I, I like this. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you. What great encouragement from Alex. Here are some takeaways from today's interview. Number one. Personal encounters humanize people. When we come together and interact with people who are different from us, they're no longer one-dimensional, like the Hispanic farm workers were in Alex's community. They became multifaceted people with a history and a faith and a culture. Two, for ministers who are in areas where there's not a large, organized Hispanic community, try using celebrations like Three Kings to give people an opportunity for that encounter. Start small. Find one family willing to host and have an informal celebration in their home. Make sure to include some songs, prayer, and food. Number three, ministry in people's homes can be powerful. Not only for encountering people who are different from us, but also building community. Opening our homes and being welcomed into another person's home helps us understand each other better. It breaks down barriers. It helps us remember and even experience that we're not alone. Try some of the other traditions of popular piety that can be celebrated in people's homes, like the posadas leading up to Christmas from episode 11, and the novenas from episode 10, which could be adapted for any Marian feast day throughout the year. There are lots of resources for each of them in their show notes. Number four, ministry happens in God's time. Alex reminded us of the importance of being patient and seeking God's will before jumping into action. He uses the see-judge-act method, which was born out of the Catholic action movement, as a way of reading and responding to the signs of the times. It has been affirmed and used in countless church documents since then, starting in 1961. The bishops of Latin America added celebrate as a fourth element in Aparecida in 2007. It can be a very effective method for pastoral planning. Actually, it's the methodology that we used in our first diocesan pastoral plan for Hispanic ministry when we used a manual developed by CEPI. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see it. Number five, find support from others. Ministry can be hard. You are not alone. I hope this podcast is a source of encouragement for you in your ministry and a reminder that you are not alone. I hope you found this interview helpful for you and your ministry. Don't forget to visit the show notes with all the resources mentioned in this episode at pattycc.com slash 15. And as always, we would love for you to come over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Gente Puente to share with us about your ministry. Don't forget to subscribe to Gente Puente podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episode. Thanks for listening today. May God bless you and your ministry as Gente Puente.